we use the the practices of a mindfulness of breathing, a walking meditation, development of mindfulness generally to train the attention, to focus upon the, the experience of the present, to focus steadily, clearly on the here and now, As the time of retreat proceeds, we settle into the, the rhythm of quietness, formal practice. For most people, steadily the mind becomes more quiet, becomes a little easier to focus the attention on this present reality. The purpose of meditation is not simply to create the quality of calm or concentration, but also to develop the quality of understanding, to develop genuine wisdom, a different way of seeing, a different way of relating to experience, changing our view changing the attitude. So during these days, as the, the mind becomes quieter, becomes easier to focus the attention on the present, if you find things that are developing in that way, then there's no need to fix the attention solely upon the, the rhythm of the breathing. We're just using the breath as an anchor, a reference point, to help to key the attention to the present reality. If the boat is already up on the beach, it doesn't need an anchor. You don't have to worry about the tides and the currents, the winds. The boat is secure. Well, similarly, if the mind is able to pay attention to the present without getting absorbed in fantasies, fears, memories, projections, without being distracted and carried away, then there's no need to to fix the attention solely upon these specific objects. As and when you find that steadiness, firmness of attention, the, the attention rests more easily with the present, and we can expand the field of attention, rather than just focusing upon the breath or the body, footsteps, we can open the mind, open the heart to the whole field of experience in the present.
So rather than fixing the attention on a single point, we expand that point to include the whole range of experience, hearing, feeling, thinking, seeing. Expanding the, the field of view to include the whole of the sense field. Perceptions of the body, feelings, sensations, thoughts. Now in this, we're training the attention to rest with the quality of knowing, the quality of awareness. Being that awake, aware, receptive knowing. Being that Buddha wisdom that watches perceptions, thoughts, feelings arising, coming into being, blossoming, fading, disappearing being that which knows the cycle of coming into being, taking shape, dissolving. Knowing the world rather than being entangled, absorbed into the world. Attuned to the world of our experience rather than claiming it as mine or yours, inside or outside rather than judging a field of experience as wanted, unwanted, good, bad, beautiful, ugly, rather sustaining this open field of awareness, being that open, receptive, awake space that receives all things, knows all things, lets go of all things. And we use these reflections upon anicca, meaning change or uncertainty, transiency. Dukkha, meaning unsatisfactoriness, incompleteness, unreliability. Dissatisfaction. And then anatta, not self. These are not articles of faith or things to believe in, but rather they're tools to use to reshape the way that experience is held, the way experience is understood, to reshape the attitude. When we hear a sound, the reactive pattern might be, I don't like that, or that's someone else. What is that bird? Who's coughing? Where are those planes going? It creates a story, an interpretation, 
I'm hearing, or I like, I don't like, I wonder. But we use these reflections on anicca, dukkha, anatta, and change, unsatisfactoriness, not self, as a way of reshaping that experience, rather than I like or I don't like, is it changing? Rather than I hear, I'm listening, I'm thinking, there is hearing, there is listening, there is thinking. Reflections on Dukkha. Is the presence of that sound something that is pleasing? This feeling or this thought, is it something that can make me happy forever? Can it be permanently pleasurable, permanently satisfying? Even if it's delicious and beautiful, a beloved memory, can it be kept? Can it be held like the perfect flower or the, the sunrise of that perfect moment of glow? Can it be kept? Can it be owned? Can it sustain that? Wow! Can it do that? These reflections on uncertainty or transiency, change, unsatisfactoriness, and ownerlessness, not self. There are ways of loosening the grip, loosening the judgments that are made about perceptions, thoughts, feelings, moods, emotions, sensations. reshapes the way that they are held by the mind rather than my pain it's just the experience of painful feeling arising changing dissolving rather than i remember as a memory arising taking shape dissolving so these reflections are ways of meeting the habits of the mind and helping them to change, to shift, to be reshaped. So that in the meditation, then when the mind is steady, compare attention to the present, just let the field of awareness be more open not focused on a particular object, simply receiving the flow of impressions, sensations in the body, thoughts, sounds, smells and tastes, shapes and colors. But to meet them with this, this, this mode of reflection, this mode of exploration. Is it changing? Does it have an owner? Is it satisfying? 
And as each perception, each form, each feeling takes shape within the field of awareness, watch what happens when those reflections are applied. When there's the inquiry, this thought, I call it mine, but what's the thing here that does the owning? How can anything really be owned? And then in that reflection, that exploration, there's a change of heart. When that is applied, there's a shift. Oh, of course. How can anything genuinely be owned? How could anything be permanent, stable? Aha! There's a change of heart, a freeing, a disentangling. So the point of the practice is not just repeating anicca dukkha anatta in the face of every experience. The point is more the change of heart. What happens? when the illusion of permanent personal identity is seen through, and that I feeling is recognized as transparent, void of substance. Oh. This is the point, the purpose of this kind of insight practice, vipassana seeing into the genuine nature of all things, seeing that everything, everything, simply a pattern of consciousness. Everything is just a pattern of mind, taking shape, dissolving. It has form, but no substance, shape, but no essence, no core. And when that recognition is actualized, watch what happens in the heart. How is, how is your heart? What's the experience of the present reality when that illusion is seen through? There's a, a simplicity a naturalness, a freedom, a feeling of, of course, oh, a dissolving of limitation. Now it can be if we focus the attention on the present using the breath or using the walking and then we recognize that the attention is quite stable and steady and then we open up the mind to be uh, more simply aware of the flow of experience maybe we can sustain that and sustain that clarity and that the freedom that comes from letting go of 
all objects, seeing the empty nature, the selfless nature of all experience. Maybe we can sustain that for a couple of minutes and then something snags the attention. A feeling in your back or a sound that we hear or a particular idea. The attention gets carried away, absorbed, snagged, like a, a burr getting caught in your sock. Snagged and tangled. Well, notice that. Oh, this has gone from being the practice of vipassana, of insight, to just random thinking. The mind caught up in a memory or a fantasy. A string of, associa a string of associations. So if the mind has got lost in a particular thought or a feeling, acknowledge that. This is no longer open awareness, this is just restless thinking. Random chattering of the mind. <coughs> if that's the case, then you can use the posture of the body, feeling of the breath, to re-establish reaffirm the attention in the present. Go back to the breath, feeling the posture, balance of energy and relaxation. Reassert the attention in the present. Stabilize it, clarify it. And then when the attention is firm, steady in the present, then you can try letting go of the breath once again. So we incline the practice in this direction, but we're also practical, realistic about what's being experienced. Maybe we need to do more just in the way of a concentration practice. The mind is perhaps so agitated, so busy, that there's no way you can let go of the breath and hope to be anywhere near, attentive, mindful of the present. That's the case, then that's what we work with. If your boat is still out in the water, then we need the anchor. We each have to judge for ourselves, moment by moment, what is needed, what is useful. To recognize for ourselves, judge for ourselves, work with how this is, this body, this mind.
in this way we're letting go of the habits of identification the name that we have the gender that we have a personal story so letting go of all of that seeing of the empty nature of all of that these are just convenient fictions being a man, being a woman being old, being young, being healthy having an illness being a monastic or a lay person these are all just convenient fictions perceptions that are conditioned, dependent, contingent they have no essence there's form but no substance this kind of practice is helping us to shed those perceptions of identity but then we can be left with a doubt if, if I'm not a person, I'm not a human, I'm not a man or a woman a monastic or a layperson, I have my nationality, my age my personal story, if that's all empty and void what am I? can lead to doubt or confusion but as I was saying, the Buddha's method is to help us to stop identifying with what we're not and let the reality of what is speak for itself as soon as we try to define what we are what I am the thinking mind the conceiving mind is creating limitation once again any kind of I am any meanness or I-ness creates a false limitation so the Buddha's method is to help us to let go of identifying with what we're not and let what is just be what it is awake, aware, peaceful radiant limitless natural in talking about this nature the Buddha said the Tathagata, the awakened one the awake mind has abandoned any material form by means of which one trying to describe the Tathagata would describe him he has cut it off at the root made it like a palm tree stump deprived it of the conditions for existence and rendered it incapable of arising in the future the Tathagata the awake the awake mind is liberated from being reckoned in terms of material form feeling, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness 
is profound, immeasurable, boundless, like the great ocean. So that quality is, but exactly what it is, there's no need to define. Our definitions would only have to borrow adjectives from the world of sight and sound, smell, taste, touch, time, three-dimensional space, individuality. None of those qualities really apply. The Tathagata is liberated from being reckoned in terms of material form, feeling, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness. He is profound, immeasurable, boundless, like the great ocean. This is the Buddha talking about his own nature, but this is also talking about the, the nature of this awake mind, this quality of awareness that is the very heart of, of experiencing for each one of us. We don't have to define what we are, because we are it already. This practice is about learning simply to be that, to embody that, to let that be liberated from all limitations.